1: Warning, this episode contains disturbing content that is sexual and violent in nature and involves minors. It may not be suitable for all listeners. Welcome to an all-new season of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. This season, we're diving into some of the most unusual missing person cases from the shocking disappearance of Charlie Ross... To the American Past Disappearances. Welcome to the True Crown Never Sleeps Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lees. Today we're continuing our series on the unsolved disappearances. But first we'd like to thank our sponsor, Hunter Killer. Hey, welcome to this episode of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Hunt a Killer, for sponsoring this episode. Hunt a Killer is an immersive murder mystery game told over the course of six episodes or boxes. Each box is filled with different clues and physical items, such as autopsy reports, witness statements, and more. You use these clues to solve the ongoing murder mystery, and in the final episode, you'll be able to name and catch the killer. Right now, you can use the promo code... TCNS for 20% off your first box Just go to Huntakiller.com And input the promo code TCNS For 20% off your first purchase And now let's get back to the show As we've been talking about a lot recently Someone going missing Is always a tragedy And always brings so much pain to the family and loved ones It is however A very common tragedy that happens all over the world With people from all ages Today's story is going to break your heart. It's a broke mind when I was researching the topic. This is the story of the unsolved disappearance of Madeline McCann. To get this episode started, let me guide you through the main people in the story and share a bit about their stories. Then I'll move on to the facts and to exactly what happened, or at least what we believe happened to the young girl. Madeline McCann was born on May 12th, 2003 and hate being saying all these cities, countries or cities. In Leicester, and lived with her family in Rothley, also in Leicester. She had two siblings who were born in 2005 and were twins. And then you have Kate and Gerald McCann, Madeline's parents, both physicians and active Roman Catholics. Kate was born in 1968 near Liverpool, and attended All Saints School in Anfield. Notre Dame High School in Everton Valley. Kate graduated in 92 with a degree in medicine from the University of Dundee. Gerald was born in 1968 in Glasgow. He attended Holyrood RC Secondary School before graduating from the University of Glasgow with a degree in physiology and sports science in 1989. In 1992 he qualified in medicine and in 2002 obtained his MD, also from Glasgow. The couple met in 1993 in Glasgow and got married in 1998 and, as I've hinted at, they had three children. The McCann family was on a holiday with seven friends and eight children in all, including their three kids. They wanted to get away for a few days and spend some time together having fun, getting to know each other better, and sharing experiences. Since there were a lot of people, I'll only go over their names, but notice that some of them will be more present than others in the story. Starting off, Fiona and David Payne, both physicians. Fiona's mother, Diana Webster, Jane Tanner, a marketing manager, and her partner, Russell O'Brien a Physician who were on a holiday with their two children, and Matthew Oldfield, all, another physician who is with his wife, Rachel Oldfield, a lawyer, and their daughter. Now, now that we know who was present, let us get into the facts and the story. Let's start off from the beginning. The McCann family arrived. April 28th, 2007, for their seven night spring break in Praia de Luz, a village with a population of only 1,000 people. They were pretty much spending vacation in a neighborhood, but it was the perfect place to leave the craziness of the world and get some downtime with people they loved. They stayed in an apartment owned by a retired teacher from Liverpool. The apartment was located at 5A Ruid Drive. Agostino da Silva. It was a two bedroom ground floor apartment in the fifth block of a group of apartments known as Waterside Village, which lay on the perimeter of part of Mark Warner's Ocean Club Resort. Their friends, Matthew and Rachel, were staying on the apartment next door. Jane and Russell, a few apartments away, and some more of them also on the first floor but now we notice the first thing that could go wrong and probably was a plausible cause of madeline's disappearance the part of the apartment complex they stayed at had access from both sides which means that anyone could get in and have close contact with the people inside of the apartment complex the mccann's children stayed in a bedroom next to the front door which they kept locked at all times no matter what The windows were normal height with a metal shutter on the outside. The family kept the curtains and the windows shut at all times as well. Madeline slept in a single bed next to the bedroom door on the opposite side of the room from the window. While the twins were in travel cots in the middle of the room, there was an extra single bed right by the window. The families and friends were having a good time at the apartment complex, spending a lot of time together, and using that time to get some rest and refresh the energies. It was just like that for the first five days of the trip. It was, however, on Thursday, May third, two 2007, that the horror movie would start for the McCann family. Early that day, Madeline made a very confusing question to her parents while they were all having breakfast. She asked, why didn't you come when her brother and I cried last night? Remember that question as we move on with the story. The children spent the morning in the resorts, kids' club, having fun with other kids, and enjoying the last two days of their vacation. The family went back to their apartment and had lunch together. They then headed back to the pool, and that's around 2.30 when Madeline's last photo was taken, smiling by her father and younger sister. The kids went back to the kids' club for the rest of the afternoon. When their mother took them back to their apartment, the parents put the three kids to sleep around 7 p.m., They got ready and, as usual, went to dinner with the other parents around 8.30 p.m. That was the last time they ever saw Madeline asleep in her pajamas. Since the patio doors could be locked only from the inside, the family left them closed but unlocked with the curtains drawn so they could let themselves in that way when checking on the children later on that night. There was a child safety gate at the top of the steps from the patio and a low gate at the bottom, which led to the street. The table the family was having dinner had the perfect view of the apartment they were staying. So a few days earlier, they decided that was their spot. They could have fun, but also check on the kids. The resort staff had left a note in a message book at the swimming pool reception area asking at the same table for 8.30pm for the rest of the four nights of their stay. That way they could enjoy a good time while being close to their kids. The message left was too detailed, and it said that the group's children were asleep in the apartments. The McCann family and their friends left the restaurant roughly every half hour to check on their children. Madeline's father was responsible for the first check at around 9 p.m. The children were asleep, and all was well. He recalled leaving the door slightly open when he left. But when he went back, the door was almost wide open he pulled it slightly open again just the way he left it when he left the first time he then returned to the restaurant jane tanner had left the restaurant just after 9 pm to check on her own daughter passing madeline's father on Ruid, duck drive francisco gentle martins on his way back to the restaurant from his check after seeing madeline's father on his way back jane told the police that a few minutes later she noticed a man carrying a young child across the junction of that same street. At that location, he was not far at all from the McCann family room. She described the man as a 35 to 40 year old white male with dark hair around five seven. She said he looked like a local citizen. She described the outfit of the child being carried away, just like Madeline's outfit from that night. It was an important phase in the investigation because it gave the police a time frame for the moment of the abduction. Jane's sighting is crucial to the timeline allowed investigators to focus on another sighting of a man carrying a child at night, which it sounds like coincidence, but every small detail can be very beneficial for an investigation. Martin and Mary Smith were in Praia de Luz on holiday from Ireland. They saw a man at around 10 p.m. on I hate saying this name. Rua de Escola Primaria? 500 yards from the McCann family's apartment. The man was carrying a girl, aged 3-4, to 4. she had blonde hair and pale skin, was wearing light colored pajamas and had bare feet. The man was in his mid-30s, around 5'7", he looked like a local according to the Smiths. But a key part of the report is that the man did not look comfortable carrying the child. The story keeps moving fast, but this is only 30 minutes after the first check, it was time for another check. Matthew Oldfield offered to do the next check, and when he checked his own children, he noticed that the McCann's children's bedroom door was wide open. He heard no noise, so he left the place without checking on the McCann's kids. Matthew was later on one of the, uh, one of the suspects for the disappearance of Madeline. The police suggested that he could have handled the gir- girl to someone else, but back to the facts. It was around 10 p.m. when Kate decides to go make her own check. Kate entered the apartment through the unlocked patio doors at the back, and just like her husband, she noticed that the door was wide open. As soon as she tried closing the door, the door shut really hard. It seemed like it was all planned. She then noticed that the window and a shutter were wide open, and Madeline was not there. She looked for her little girl for a few minutes, but without success, she ran back to the restaurant yelling, Madeline is gone. Someone took her. About ten minutes later, Matthew was sent to ask the resort management to call the police, and at 10.30 p.m., the resort had activated the Missing Children Protocol. Everyone was looking for Madeline until around 4.30 in the morning, but they were not successful with the search. The Portuguese police were the first ones to respond, and they did everything within their power and jurisdiction to find the young girl. However, after every minute went by, the chances of finding her were getting smaller and smaller. The British police was also activated, but no success with their searches either. They used sniffing dogs, search groups, posted f- posters all over the area, but nothing was success. Even with powerful police forces, the search was not enough. What exactly happened night? This is a question that Madeline's family ask themselves every single day. And after each day goes by, we have less and less chances of finding out. And that's a wrap for today's story. As we all should agree, crimes are never good and bring sadness to countless people. It is important though for us to try to understand the reasoning behind such tragedies and create awareness to avoid it from happening again. Let us know your thoughts on this case. Leave a comment in the comment section below. Let us know what you think happened. Do you have any suspects? Who do you think did it? Be sure to like and subscribe to this channel. Hit the like button on the video. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Follow us on Twitter at True Crime NS. Like us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps. Send us a voice message at anchor.fm slash Sleeps slash message. Tune in next week for an all new episode.